Hey guys, welcome to episode one of Not Past It Yet podcast with me, Megan Addy, today hosted with Charlie Hurst. It's the first of May. This month is a subject close to home. It is Mental Health Awareness Month. So today on episode one, we are dedicating mental health topic around the area of fear. Hi, Charlie. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's absolutely fantastic to be here. Thanks I'm for asking me. I'm so glad that you're here. I think that you are somebody that's got so much knowledge and you've got so much to give to people who are listening to this around this area. So I'm really excited to have this discussion with you today. Okay, awesome. Thank you. See where it goes. So I'm going to start off by asking you, what does mental health mean to you? Wow. Um, mental health. Um, to me, it's a, on the surface, it's a, it's a state of mind. Um, sometimes we don't have... Uh, conscious control of where that state of mind is and that's why we have the 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 tags and the definitions of of mental illnesses or mental setbacks or um, issues that we have within the mental realm and as a result with the emotional realm as well Um, so for me it's really a a combination of the emotional state and the mental state combining to prevent us from moving forward and living the life that we actually want to live it's something that prevents us from doing it and it might be to some extent out with our control as well no absolutely i think my views is very similar on the same length of where you're discussing it there i think as well for me when i hear the term mental health i think there's a lot of definition and emphasis onto that for being some kind of disorder that a human being carries where ultimately it's a state of also your mental well-being your mindset the other areas that you developing your personal development in I would love to hear what your view is around what maybe society experiences you've had that have influenced or tried to influence in any way your understanding of mental health, if there has been any. Um, With my age, there's been quite a few over the years. Um, Really, um, I think society has a, a, a big role to play in our overview and our definition of what mental health actually is. Um, we, we all grow up with this with the idea of um, if somebody has a mental health issue, we don't know what it is, we have no experience of it, but we're told by society that it is this and it will have this result. Um, so when we, when we have that uh, constantly fed to us over years and years and years, it becomes our own belief. Absolutely. So our, our initial definition of mental health, if we have no personal experience, is what we're told to believe. Um, and that might just be a generic overview um, thinking of historically, um, anybody with a mental health issue historically used to be put into um, an asylum, yeah, absolutely, and locked away, and it pretended it didn't exist. Mm. Um, nowadays, at least they're not locked in asylums, but to a greater extent, although people are talking about it, they're not necessarily talking about it in the right way, or with any experience, or with any empathy. So it's still a generic definition, and it's still to some extent shifted under the carpet. You know, oh, absolutely. especially especially from a male perspective, we don't have mental health issues. We're not allowed to talk about them because we don't have feelings. Yeah. And I, I think it's a really sad world that we live in, that that's still heightened to the level that it is. And going back to the historic side of mental health, it was actually only just shy of over 20 years ago that Cornhill in Aberdeen was called the Aberdeen Lunatic Hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, exactly. We're not lunatics. Everyone has, to some extent, mental health. It doesn't mean you've got mental ill health, but we have mental well-being. And I think that the way that there's been generational stigma, it's definitely fed onto how we ultimately view and believe 
mental health to be. But I think it then broadens the spectrum because it wasn't just those with mental health that were put in asylums. It was those with learning difficulties, additional needs. Um, and, you know, as a parent of two children with additional needs, I think it's been one of life's best privileges to see how they view the world because they see things that we don't normally see. My son, for being six, is incredibly intelligent and he has a skill that he doesn't have to count things on front of him. He can look at something and say, there's six windmills in our village. And I think that that's an amazing thing. And when I look back at the history with, you know, during my studies or when I'm having conversation, it wasn't just that they were put to asylums, it was how they were treated ultimately from that. Obviously in the most unhumane, disgraceful ways that absolutely were not being treated as humans how we used to. But I also think it, it stereotypes things as well. Oh, you're on prescription for X, Y, and Z, that means you could overdose. It's this stigma, it's this brand that needs to be spoken of more. Yeah, um, and I completely agree um, with um, the the historical stuff, and even even today, even though we're talking about mental health and mental well-being and mental awareness a lot more than we used to, it's still that generic definition. It's like if you're on, as you said, on medication, you have a chance of overdosing, but that doesn't take into con to account your your personal standpoint on overdosing, your personal standpoint on taking medication. Mm. I mean, personally, I was diagnosed with PTSD a couple of years ago, um, and... I was put on medication and there were just it was left to me to self to self-regulate if you like um no thought was put whether i'd double up my dose or whatever um but after a year of that i discovered that actually that medication did me no favors it killed my drive it killed my ambition it killed my desire to actually go out and do anything it just kept me in this little cocoon little bubble which did literally was adversely affecting my mental health so I made the decision to take myself off it. Mm. Um, and I feel a lot better, but I have to be a lot more aware now that because I don't have that uh, medical cocoon, that chemical cocoon that was provided by, the, by my doctor, that I have to be aware that the smallest things that might not have affected me while I was on the medication might trigger me or might affect me now. So it's just that different perspective. But from what you were saying earlier, and I've just mentioned it just now, it's all mental health is all about perspective how you view it and when you were talking about your son being able to just say six windmills absolutely brilliant that's a skill that's a skill that not many people have and the fact that you notice it and as it's positive says a lot about a how you are uh, living with your son and encourage the best out of him and not saying well why do you you've got to show you're working you know? absolutely you just accept what he says is true but you can see it for yourself as well and that that attitude that that mental attitude towards mental health partly because of what we all go through partly because of what you've gone through partly of what you see your son is going through um, that is the personal experience which kind of over time will override that society definition that we're all taught to believe right from day one absolutely and I actually think as well that we all have skill assets off the back of that and that's our identity that is our skill um so yeah, no, I, I'm definitely hearing what you're saying there and I very much agree with you. I think where it comes to the mental health stigma, going back into that for who we are, I think it influences maybe self-doubt on us because of the fear of other people and what they perceive into the mental health. Oh yeah. You know, and when we when we 
hear your experiences in mental health which you've had and you've came such a long way I'm so proud of you by the way and I have my own experiences you know my my close people understand my journey of of my mental health and you know when when I was in when I was 15 unfortunately I had several attempts where I did not want to be here anymore so there was attempts of overdosing there was self-harm um and ultimately I have that scar it's now on my arms but it was like I was having that conversation with you earlier Charlie I was saying to you that my daughter was born prematurely and the highest doctor in the NICU um I recognized what her scars were and I thought wow wow, you are a senior high up doctor in a NICU unit and you've carried your own stories. You know, I I actually have a skill here and it's that I'm really, I want to help people. And that's ultimately why I'm actually doing this podcast, ironically. Um, But when I take it like then back that notch from my experiences, you know, when I was on medication with my mental health, I, I couldn't function. I had no, I couldn't say I was happy. I couldn't say that I was sad. I was just, I was just being, and then my whole, whole world opened up as such into personal development, and I was like, oh shit, that's a fear of abandonment, because I used to abandon a lot of people when I was younger, oh, that's my imposter syndrome, because I was told, you know, through school when I was getting bullied, oh, I'm, I'm not good enough, I'm never going to achieve, and where I recognized was all of this healing from my inner child, and other experiences, I was like, wow, it's actually not about medication actually making me function every day. It's about me helping me, me versus me, me and you, my book title, ironically. But my point of it all is, is that if medication helps you and you have mental health going on, I'm rooting for you. That's great. But there's a lot of us that it doesn't help. And that's where I want to help and have the understanding that there's actually a path of personal development. You can heal, you can work on yourself. And I think that's absolutely priority. But I think the barriers come in, and I was talking actually with you earlier about this, Charlie, is that as a human being, we have like pain tolerance levels. And when you start facing these fears, it can be an incredibly lonely place, but it can be extraordinarily painful as well. And I think when you have that, you know, meshed in with, the stigma of society around mental health, that's where a lot of fear gets put onto us from other people. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, just, yeah, it's reminded that the conversation that you've just had, what you've just said has just reminded me partly of, A, that conversation we had before we went live. Yeah. Um, but it was that that personal experience, that fear of the unknown that seems to, um, perpetuate everything. I mean, we as a human species, the, the greatest fear that we have as a species is the unknown. Now, the problem with, with when it comes to mental health and mental well-being is that when we're born, we don't have a roadmap. We don't have an instruction manual. So everything we do is a guess, best guesstimate. Um, and we don't know how things are going to turn out. Now, when it comes, when you are faced with a, uh, a mental health challenge, let's just put it that way, in whatever shape it might be, the first thing you you feel usually is that you're on your own, that you're alone, that nobody else will understand you, that nobody else will um, appreciate what you are going through. Mm-hmm. And it's like you were saying when you were um, uh, you saw that doctor was carrying her own sc- scars and her own stories. That was that mic drop moment for you. That was that oh, yeah. that that moment where you went, oh well, if she can do it. There's nothing stopping me doing it. Mm. That's when that moment you realized that you were not alone. Your story was very similar to perhaps somebody else's or they'd had maybe different stories, but the outcome and the way that you dealt with it was very similar. 
Um, when I got diagnosed with PTSD, I thought, well, it's not, I've not been in a war zone. Um, it's not been anything majorly traumatic. Therefore, I, no, I don't talk about it. I don't open up about it. And of course, as Vori said, being male, we don't have emotions. We don't have mental health issues. And being honest, I used to work in the security industry and we definitely didn't have mental health issues or emotions back then either. So me, the, the biggest thing that I ever did was realizing not that I was alone or not alone, I should say, but that to open up and speak about it, that for me was the cathartic moment because the more I spoke about it, the more people went, no, actually, that's very similar to what I'm going through or I can empathize with, understand about it. And that for me, that was my realization. That was my um, eureka moment. It was just like, wow, all the fear that I had about having these issues and, and being different from everybody else it turned out to be nothing. But at the end of the day, that's what fear is. Fear is an illusion. Yeah. Do you know what I think? Just where you were saying a few things there. What I think is absolutely there's a stigma around males. And I'm going to get onto that in a second. But I actually find it an incredibly attractive attribute to any human being that can vocalize. Yeah. Because it makes them real. And for me, it's about being real and authentic. And when you strip that back, you're then actually masking, potentially to fit society standards. But when you start vocalizing, I think it's very much balanced where I know when I started speaking, I lost a shitload of people in my life. But it was because they didn't have a clue what an inner child was. I'm still baffled. People don't understand what personal development is. I know what you're going wrong. But those that know, they know. And when you do have that incredibly lonely feeling or that lonely place or, you know, when you were saying about your PTSD, you think, well, I've not been in that war zone. You're comparing yourself if you're valid enough to have that because you you weren't at war, for an example. But that's obviously at some point been influenced for you to then doubt yourself in that capacity. Um, but where you're talking about the stigma around men, I did a poll on the not past it yet. Uh, podcast Instagram page and over 300 people had came onto the page and it was 99% that they had felt that they don't talk because of the stigma Wow! and there was over 300 people that had posed that society has influenced their beliefs on mental health. That goes right back to what we were saying right at the beginning how that yeah. generic definition is what we're all brought up to believe. And because we have that definition, if we have no uh, experience of it or personal, um, uh, yeah, personal experience with it, then that definition is what remains. That definition mm. is what stays and it doesn't alter. It's only when you start to look inside um, and we, we, all have, uh, we all have mental health, whether it be good or bad, mental wellness or not. Um, but when you start to look inside, then you start to ask yourself questions then you start to redefine that generic definition that you were brought up to believe as a child. Absolutely. And I think it allows you more possibilities to have more empathy, more compassion. You know, you, for an example, you can see a drug dealer on the street or an alcoholic. You can see them as stereotypical junkies, but they got there for a reason. And rather than, you know, <laughs> I remember um, being as a kid, and you could see, like, for example, homeless people in the street. And I was like, yeah, but they probably have a bed at night. They actually probably have somewhere to go. They probably have this. They probably have that. It's probably for drugs. 
and you think to yourself, oh, okay, I'm not going to go near, that's a danger, let's just stay away from people like that. But when you're in a tune and you go through like your own mental health journey and you've got that level of understanding and that compassion for an example you actually go back and you reflect and you'll think about that person later on that day and think oh I wonder how they got there what's their life been like what's their story yeah and everybody has a story oh yeah you know but again with society we're taught and we're we're conditioned to pigeonhole people Mm. yeah I am proud to say that I cannot be pigeonholed because ah. who I am today is not who I'm going to be tomorrow because I'm in constant development. I'm constantly changing. I'm constantly evolving and discovering new things about myself because I'm asking myself questions because I'm continually facing my fears. Mm. And some days, don't get me wrong, some days my fears just go, uh, uh, not today, and I'll have a bad day. But that's fine. I'm human. I'm an emotional human being. I'm going to have bad days. I'm going to have good days. But I think that's an amazing quality you have, especially as a male, that you can own that. So I was going to get on to if you wanted to share part of your story and if you could then maybe introduce a little bit about fear. Okay. Right. Okay. My story. Yeah. Where am I I going to begin? Um, Well, let's go right back to my childhood. Mm. Um, I grew up in a very happy household. There was nothing wrong with the household. Uh, very close family. Uh, Mum and dad entertained a hell of a lot um, to the point that at one of the houses we lived in for a while, they built a bar in the cellar. Um, so that just shows you the level of entertainment yeah. they did. Yeah, yeah, it was an awful lot. Um, but as my, I mean, I have a sister as well. And as we were growing up, um, the one thing my parents always said to us was three letters, FHB. Yeah, family hold back. All that meant on the surface was that guests got watered first, fed first, and got to seat first before I plunked my ass on the sofa, Mm. which is fine. That's a nice thing to do. However, this was repeated so often and so regularly that as I grew up, I took that on board by creating this own belief system for myself that I became second to every single other person on the planet. So I became a people pleaser. I did what I had to do to be accepted. That was kind of jaded because as I went through school, I ended up being bullied very, very, very heavily for about five years because, and I let them do it because I just wanted to be accepted. I just wanted to keep them from, uh, to be involved, even though it was very negative to me. Mm. And the culmination of all this uh, bullying was that uh, when I was 17, yeah, when I was 17, 16 or 17, um, somebody threw a knife at the back of my head. Um, and I was just sitting reading a book in um, homeroom, for want of a better expression, uh, sitting reading a book, and it went past, my, missed my head by about, maybe about an inch and a half, stuck into the, uh, I think it was a, a bag I had on the desk, and that person legged it. And all I did at the time was I didn't react, I didn't jump up, there was no panic, there was no uh, adrenaline rush. Raised my head from the book, pulled out the knife from the bag, put it down on the desk, and went back to reading my book. Wow. I had no reaction. It wasn't that I wanted to, I didn't have a reaction, but because the bullying had been so bad and so cumulative that it had killed my desire for survival, like my own personal will to survive. It wasn't that I wanted to die. I didn't. I just didn't have a, a feeling positive or negative either way. So from that point of view, that, that kind of jaded me for the rest of my life. 
And it wasn't until I started actually facing my fears and actually having conversations with myself, because as a male, I can't talk about emotions out loud, you know, allegedly. Um, I can't speak about my feelings, speak about emotions, speak about potential problems I might be having. So I just had to have conversations with myself, which although it helped me, it actually made me feel even more alone because I was only talking to myself, no one else. There was no, no, nothing external for me to relate to or speak to. So, um, yeah, that, that for me was, was a difficult time. Um, and then as a result, with the life choices I made and the job choices I made, ending up in security of all bloody things. Um, cause let's face it, I am not the biggest guy in the world. Um, and nobody really, when I first started, uh, doing the door 20, well, nearly 30 years ago now, um, there were, everybody on the door was like six foot six and built like a, like the side of a house. Yeah, so there was like Dorman, 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 huge, great guys. And then your eye level had to drop to get to me, you know. So in effect, I was like this hobbit on a door. And because of my background and my upbringing, I was a posh hobbit on the door, you know. So I actually had a huge imposter syndrome as well when I started, but it was the only job I had. Again, the fear kept going. My, my self-doubt, my self-worth was always getting called into question. Um, and of course, in those days, you... Def, Dorman definitely didn't talk about anything emotional. You know, we were these cold, hard machines, which having lived through that life, I know for a fact it's a complete lie because the biggest softies in the world, even though they won't admit it, are Dorman. You know, uh, they gossip like old fishwives um, and they have hearts that are the marshmallows. The problem is, though, that they are perceived by society to be a certain way and they quite happily, we, we conform to that role because we're there for a reason. But because we don't talk about how we actually feel, that actually sets up problems within ourselves. And then fearful about then eventually speaking about it. And that fear just compounds into something that's that's greater than it actually is. I mean, at the end of the day, as I said earlier on, fear is an illusion. Fear is imaginary. It is the the idea and the anticipation of a possible future event. It's not real in any tangible sense of the word. It is... It's not like um, danger. Danger is real, yeah? But fear is, is this illusion that we create for ourselves to prevent ourselves moving forward. And it's this idea. And when we, when we go through a fearful situation, our minds, our bodies, all the chemicals inside us, everything about us lives that worst-case scenario event so that we then look at it and go, well, I've already lived it, therefore it must be true. You know, and if we actually start believing it's true, then it is true. And then we create our own reality. And we, we've already lived that worst event, even though it's never happened. And it might never happen. So even when we're talking about mental health, thinking about your own, your own, well, if I speak about it, if I open up about it, I'm going to get ridiculed. I'm going to get laughed at. I'm going to get shunned. I'm going to get abuse. You know, so we live all that, all that, and that becomes real. And that prevents us from actually speaking about it. Mm. But at the end of the day, if we just understand that this fear that we have created is our own creation an illusion and we just go stuff it i'm going to speak about it and then we realize there's a world out there yeah and, and i'm not actually on my own people mm. are actually understanding people actually accept that i have xyz mm. oh this is amazing and that gives you the courage to face another fear and another fear and another fear and then before you know it you're focusing on what you can do and not what you can't do mm. and that shift in mindset I think as well, you have an area of silent watchers, silent listeners, because they carry that fear. 
well, would I be, you know, ridiculed if I listened to X, Y, and Z? I think they've definitely got their place where they carry that fear. Oh, definitely, definitely. Mm. I mean, I, I, I mean, I kind of include myself in that one as well, because um, up until very recently on social media. I watched what everybody was doing and I might have reacted to it with a, like a thumbs up or a heart or whatever, but I never said anything. I just watched in the background and I, I felt like I was involved. But at the end of the day, it was, it was just me just hiding in the shadows. Mm. Again, allowing my fear to take over. They've definitely got a place for that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. How did you feel though when you started to go through layer by layer of the work you wanted to pursue on yourself after all of these experiences, did you feel empowered? Did you feel that empowerment? And if you did, what capacity of fear did you face when you actually really went into that? Because I've heard you what you said where, you know, society standards, you're a male, you, you can't, especially a doorman, you can't talk about these things. Oh, yeah. But when you really like took a step back and really worked on yourself, what did that look like? In a word, exhausting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, I was, when I really started to look inwards and I've been on, to let you understand, I've been on a personal development journey for the last 20 odd years. You know, now and again, not really do it. Now I'm, I do my own personal journey full time and this is, this is why I do what I do now. Um, but that first time I spoke about my own thought processes, my own emotions, my own feelings, um, to somebody who I wasn't in a relationship with um, romantically, um, which was also a struggle, but that's another completely different story. Um, All yours. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> another podcast then. Yeah. Um, but no, but the first time I spoke to somebody outside my family or relationship circle, mm. um, that was, oh, that was a light bulb moment. That really, I just, I felt like I could conquer the bloody world at that particular moment. Then all the self-doubt came in, then all the self-worth came in, and it was like, no, no, no. That was a very, very short-lived high. Mm. So I, to get that again, I had to face another fear, had to face another fear. Yeah. And purely because I was doing that, and it was just small little things, yeah? I mean, at the end of the day, a tiptoe forward is still a step in the right direction. It mm. might take you a little bit longer to get there, but you're still going, you're still going to get there. And even if you think that I've taken three steps forwards and two steps back, the net result is still one step forward. Yeah, I totally relate to you that. You know, it's, it's at the end of the day, but we forget that. Mm. All we remember is that two steps we took back. We don't focus on that one gain that we've made. And that is that, that, that mindset, that took me years to completely understand that mindset shift. You know, and that's, that's, that's why I keep going now. I mean, at, at no point in my journey with everything that had happened to me with the bullying at school, um, the PTSD, everything else that had happened to me, at no point did I ever want to give up. At no point did I ever think enough is enough. Mm. That's it. it might have, I might have entertained the thought, but I knew I was never going to take it any further than in my head. Um, and that's something that I am very, very fortunate to have. Mm. And I'm very aware and I'm very grateful that I have that, that no matter what happens to me, I'll just keep going. I'll just Absolutely. keep going one more day, one more hour, just one more time. And that's what always has resonated through me. I mean, at the end of the day, if I, if I didn't have that mindset, and I think I can, I can actually thank my, my parents and my upbringing for that kind of keep going, keep going, keep going, um, even to my, my grandparents. Um, 
if I didn't have that mindset, I honestly can't sit here and say I would still be here today. I, I have no idea, you know, but because I had that mindset and I was not willing to give up, call it stubbornness, call it will to, to survive, however it might manifest, nothing was going to stop me making that one more step, having that one more minute, that one more hour, mm. that one more week, one more day. I think everyone's got their why to that. Yeah. My why is my my grandfather and unfortunately he passed in 2016. And he was an absolute incredible gentleman and he has my heart. And when I was growing up and I faced all my difficult challenges, he was always the one in my family to say Megan's going to do something with her life. You're you're going to see what she's capable of. And in my mind, I, I want to see what that looks like. What does that mean? I want to explore. I want to know. And when I started embracing, yeah, I have my past there with my mental health and it's really not pretty. But when I faced the challenge to overcome that, I felt so much different emotions. I thought at one point I had this massive attitude problem was one of them. But I kept going for the what did my grandfather mean? Because I would have given anything to have a conversation with him what did you mean when you kept saying this and that's my why yeah um you caught me a bit on the, the hop for that one because when you started talking about your grandfather my grandfather was my hero he was a self-made man um he born in dundee his parents he very 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 intelligent uh growing up and his parents wanted him to become a surgeon which he had the ability to do and he was like, nope, I'm going to be a mechanic. Wow. Yeah. So basically, he went to night school to qualify as a mechanic, qualified as a mechanic, and then created two companies in India, um, which is still going today, even though he's no longer with us. Um, Self-made man, completely successful at what he did. Um, and then came back to the UK in 1963, I think, and started another company or took over another company, I should say, made a huge success of that. So he was my hero. The nof everything he said his mind to, he managed to accomplish in some way or another. Now, it might not have been the way he originally foresaw, but whose journey, whose entrepreneurial journey ever is straight from A to B? Yeah. It goes A, Z, G, K, L, B. Mm. You know, it, it, it'll take its own route, but he still got there, you know? Um, so he was my hero. So when you start talking about your grandfather, I was getting... Little bit emotional. I'm like, yeah, okay. okay. But I wish, like you, I wish I'd had the opportunity, especially now, to have that conversation with him. Mm. Because although he was very traditional, very closed, he was easy to talk to. Yeah, he was. My grandfather was my absolute world. And I felt, yeah. You know what? I'm surprised I've been able to speak about him and not cry. That's actually a first for me. It's a win. So that's a win. Um, but yeah, he was an absolute amazing gentleman. He had such a massive influence in my life anyway. But he also, I guess, you know, he, it's not that he was an in denial person. You know, I, I, I have two children with additional needs. And fair enough, you know, he only was here to see one of them. Um, but it was always like the, the attitude of, you know, there's nothing wrong with your son. He's just been a wee shite. You know, lay your boundaries. Yeah. Get on with it. Um, but it wasn't, I guess, because 
he was forced into have a, a, a belief around disability or learning difficulties or mental health, that was just their generation. And this is what I'm saying, you know, it's generation breeds into then the next generation and so forth. And then before we know it, we have what is around us of all of this stigma. We have people that have one opinion versus something, the polar opposite side on the other. But yeah, he is a phenomenal human being. And thank you for sharing that about your granddad. Yeah, no, it's, it's again, it's, it's, it's something that I now and again cross my mind and I think about, but it's not always there in my, my conscious memory. So thanks, yeah. for, thanks for bringing that one up. No, um, you're welcome. But I, going back to what you said about generational thing, mm. um, when I was talking about uh, the family hold back and guests coming first, um, I've had conversations with my mother about it. And it was her parents that taught her that one. And it was their parents that taught her that one. So this goes, I've got no idea how many generations the, the guests come first back. So looking looking at it from a, a kind of tongue-in-cheek point of view, we had generationally a family of people pleasers. So I've yeah. broken that mold from how many generations ago, I don't know. So that's a win. That's a huge win. Yeah, it is. But again, it's like that step when you realize how far back it had gone and oh, you yeah. start looking at that, that increases that level of anxiety. That increases that level of fear in, oh God, I really am going to break the family mold here. Mm. Especially because we were a close family, like generationally quite a close family as well. Breaking that mold and moving away. I mean, I used to jokingly call myself the black sheep because I didn't want to conform to what everybody else was saying and what everybody mm. else believed. But as it turns out, I was pretty on the money. For me anyway. Yeah. Don't know about them, but for me. So when we take it back a small bit there and go back into where we were speaking about the fear and how you felt when you started going through you know your personal development journey around your areas of your mental health really you ultimately have a lot to offer around fear but that's because of your story the journey that you've been on so can you explain and elaborate a little bit more of what you've got that's out there that can help people who are ma battling massively around the area of fear yeah, sure. Um, well, let's 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 take it back a uh, a wee step. Fear is, uh, as I've already said, fear is an illusion. Mm -hmm. Fear is something that we create to prevent us moving forwards. But it's not just one thing. Fear is, and the way I look at it, is fear has three levels. Um, there's the big fear, which completely shuts us down. We don't want to do it. Our bodies shut down. Our our brains shut down. We're not going to do it. We're paralyzed. It's that fight or flight, um, or freeze scenario. Um, the middle level of fear is that knot in the stomach, that anxiety, that, oh, I wonder if I should, I wonder if I shouldn't. Now, that's something that we internally can recognize as well. So that kind of puts the, the brakes on a little bit. It might not stop us doing it, but it really slows us down in doing what we want to do or doing what we think we should do. But there's the, the element, the base element of fear, and that is perhaps the most dangerous because it's subtle. It's the just be careful. Yeah. Do you really think you should? Those kind of things that are said with good intention. I mean, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but they're said with compassion. They're said with the best will. But over time, it's like um, filling a, a cup drip by drip with water. And before you know it, the cup is full. Mm. So hearing all these little comments, like just be safe, don't do too much, don't take too much on, don't spin too many plates, you know, just be careful of what you're doing. Do you really think you should be doing that? Is it safe? All those little things over time build up 
and you start to internalize that and create this own belief system. Well, I really shouldn't do that because then I'll, I'll overstretch myself or I don't, I'm not going to take that job because it's going to be difficult. So I just sit, settle for this one. That's a little bit easier. And I get well paid for that one. This, this one I'm going to settle for. But the point is you've settled. You haven't done what you wanted to do. And that fear has built up. Now you don't recognize it as fear. And that's the problem. You know, um, historically our brain is hardwired to notice danger you know um it notices and the reason why that was that survival instinct i mean prehistoric times saber-toothed tigers running down the street you know that was a dangerous thing now the brain was like okay you can't do that you're not going to live so we've got to get out of here that was danger that was real the problem is though that we don't have saber-toothed tigers running down the street anymore uh, well, maybe on a Saturday night, but that's in, again another story. Um, but we we have no physical dangers like that anymore in general. Um, mm. uh, bear in mind that there are areas of the world that really do have physical dangers, war zones, famine, whatever it might be. There are physical threats to life. But in, in generic terms, in the Western world, in the so-called developed world, uh, we have no real danger anymore. The problem is, though, that the brain is still hardwired to look for that danger. Mm -hmm. And because it doesn't have that physical danger anymore, it will create uh, scenarios where it can interpret it as danger. This brain only sees black and white. It doesn't see the gray. Do you know what? I, what comes to mind there is when we're at school, we get taught a lot of things. Don't get me wrong, we do. But I think and I feel that there's so much things that's missing yeah in what we're being taught so for an example we we get taught about you know the human body but there's no life skill there of personal development there's nothing about mental health and yeah there's the fear because of stranger danger or other examples that could come into maybe that category but really i don't think it's really taken into segments to actually break down that and have that teaching so when you're saying that we don't know what it is I think that's a massive reason why. Yeah. And it's again, it goes back to that whole fear of the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, the, 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 the stranger danger thing, that is a, f that is a fear, which is uh, false evidence appearing real, for want of a better yes. expression. Yeah. However, if that situation ever arose, that is no longer a fear. That is a real physical danger. Mm -hmm. And there is a big difference between the anticipation of a possible future event and the event actually causing you harm. Mm -hmm. when if it if and when it does appear yeah now fear has its place it keeps us alert it, it, it's, it's driven by the ego it keeps us it's our survival instinct it allows us to strive for things and, and aim for goals but when it's when it's given a free reign and unfettered that's when it takes over and that's when it prevents us from reaching those goals so there is a balance to be made when you um with fear that it is to some extent, it is healthy mm. in a in a uh, a lower level, for want of a better expression, in in lower uh, dosages, yeah. Um, but when it just runs riot, that's when it really prevents us and takes over and actually jades our whole view of life and our reality and how we perceive the world to be and how we perceive ourselves. Because at the end of the day, because we create our own fears, it directly impacts how we view ourselves. And that's where it impacts our self-worth, our self-confidence, our self-belief, our, our own belief in our ability to go and do something. Do you know what? I'm actually thinking of maybe potentially one of the takeaways from this uh, episode today. 
I'm wondering for those who are listening that don't know what that first step looks like when they experience all this fear, what would you give as a takeaway for that? Um, right, takeaway for that. Um, mm. Well, I used, I've got, I'll give three takeaways. There's, there's, a, there's a, a bonus for you. Uh, I've already said one of them, that fear is, is the illusion. Yeah. It is something, the, the understanding and the realization that, that you can get from understanding that you create your own fear. When you start to understand that, then it, it's, it is a game changer because that automatically shifts your mindset. It's not something that's betrayed on me. It's something that I can create, therefore I can control and I can change. Yeah, I think, do you know when I see, like visualize, it's like a, a onion that you're peeling back the layers to, to get to the root of, or a tree stalk that's got all those branches and you're like, oh shit, this is the root of everything yeah. here. Yeah. I love that onion analogy, especially when you're talking about personal development. Yeah. Because... In personal development, it's constant discovery, constant discovery. So every time you peel an onion layer off, yes, it might involve crying, it might involve tears, and you think you've done something good, then you look down, there's another bloody layer to get through. Yeah. And it's a constant job. So yeah, I love that idea about an onion. Um, practically, to help you um, overcome fear, as uh, uh, is a good way of putting it, simply breathe. Actually bring mm. uh, something you do on a subconscious, unconscious level into the conscious realm actually focus on your breathing uh, regulate your breathing and there's there's a, a thing called box breathing um, which is inhaling for the count of four holding that breath for the count of four exhaling for the count of four and holding it for the count of four and if you do that over a period of time what it does is it engages the parasympathetic nervous system which is also known as the the rest and digest system which convinces the body to relax mm. that it's not under stress that it's not under pressure there is no danger and if the body is and the mind are convinced there is no danger, then the, the fear that you are perceiving within yourself will lessen. So over time, that is a good practical way of actually just giving yourself a chance to literally take a breath. Absolutely. Um, the one final thing I would say um, is give yourself a break. You're human. You're an emotional human being. You're going to be afraid of things. But by understanding that it's, something that you have created it allows you the ability just to take a step back from it mm. and even if you don't and you have a bad day so what stuff it you're a human being you're gonna screw up at some point accept it you know and move on to keep going that one tiptoe step that one more moment that one more week that one more month that one more year and before you know it you'll have climbed that staircase it's like giving yourself a form of self-love. Yeah, literally. Mm. And having that compassion to talk to yourself, you know, understand and allow yourself to screw up. You know, don't get hard on yourself. Don't criticize yourself. I mean, at the end of the day, we spend so much time with our own selves. I mean, we spend more time with ourselves than we do anybody else. Mm. And thinking back personally, thinking back to the way I used to talk to myself, I was disgusted with the conversations, the language and the tone I used to myself, I would never talk to my best friend that way. Let, and I'm talking to myself that way. I didn't take into account that I was a human being. I didn't take into account that I had no instruction manual or that I had no guide or I had no complete path and route map way forward. Mm. I was making it up as I went along to the best of my ability. And I still criticize myself for it. So give, treat yourself with a bit of compassion. A little bit of kindness, a little bit of understanding, a little bit of empathy. And forgive yourself. Because you're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days. But just focus and remember the good days. Because that is what matters. That's what keeps you going forward. 
I love that. Yeah, there's a lot in that takeaways there. And I think that they're kind of involved in your event later this month, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am uh, hosting a one day event um, called the Foundational Life Skills uh, Masterclass. Um, it will be uh, in Aberdeen uh, on the end of this month, on the 28th of May. Um, the, the details can be found. Um, um, I'm sure you'll 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 post the connections Absolutely. and stuff like that. Absolutely, but usually usually on my social media, yeah, usually on my social media pages and stuff like that at, at Happiness Inc. or Happy Inc. Picks or Happiness Inc. on Facebook. Absolutely, it's going to be on the Not Past It podcast yet page on Instagram too. Well, thank you very much for that. I can't wait. I think it's going to be a really inspiring event. I'm looking forward I, to I, it. I love the fact, though, that when we've spoken of this event that's coming up, you have a section there around feed as well. Yeah. And I think that's a huge thing because it's when you address things to yourself, especially if you're like one of those silent people that don't really want to make that move of, can I get help with something because they're worried or they have that fear of what that outcome may be of how dare you speak such a, a topic to me type of thing. Or how dare you be one of those listeners. But I think if you Google things, and I hate how people just Google everything. But if you Google things, a lot of it's actually, you know, oh, well, men don't speak because of. It's not actually about any platforms with groups of men to encourage topics and things like that. Yeah. So... Yeah, I guess when people like reach out, you have a space where they could be vulnerable but very safe and have that confidence within you where you're creating a setting where you're going to go into subject matters that also include that fear. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a massive hit. Yeah, it, with- will, it will do. I mean, at the end of the day, it's as, as you've already said, this, this, this day workshop, this day masterclass is a safe space and that's what it's designed for it's allowed for you to it's created for you to get some information on what steps you can take for yourself and and how to build the life that you want Mm. but as you said there is a huge section on fear what it is how to overcome it i might even use the 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 saber-toothed tiger story again in fact i I know i'll use that love that story I, i will use it again um but it's there's a huge section about fear and it's also about the 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 changing the mindset because what I actually do is I'm although I specialize in helping people understand and overcome fear I am a mindset coach I am a motivational speaker so at the end of the day it's about from from my point of view it's about changing your the way you think and encouraging you to actually ask your own questions mm-hmm. I mean I can say something and I it's it, I'm I'm going to tell you don't believe it just because I've said it do your own research understand and find out for yourself you know but and then you can agree with me or not you know i love it so but yeah it's it's going to be it's going to be an absolutely fantastic event it's it's a uh it's a as i said sunday the 28th of may it's a, a whole day event um i'll even throw in lunch as well Ooh, being generous <laughs> yeah but that's but that's me but it's a safe space where you can just come and the moment you walk in uh i think it's half an hour in the morning start but the moment you walk into the moment you leave there should be, you should have no other worries apart from focusing on yourself yeah. and the ways that you can move forward. That's amazing. And how do people book into this? Um, as I said, you can find it on my um, uh, social media pages. You said you're going to post it. Uh, post the link on the, the Not Past It Yet page. Um, but yeah, or just um, look look for me on Facebook at Charlie Hurst. Just drop me a message. 
uh, Happy Ink Picks on Instagram, um, or I think it's Charlie Hurst on LinkedIn as well. So just drop me a message and and ask. Take that first step. Face that fear and just if you want to go or you want to find out more, it, it, it's asking me is not gonna is not gonna cause you any harm or cause you any danger. At the end of the day, I'm a great believer in there are never any daft questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't, if you think, oh, I can't ask that because it's gonna sound silly, it won't. The only way you're gonna find out, the only way you're gonna know is to ask. Oh yeah. I'm a great believer it's, you know, me versus me versus the issue. Yeah. Never a me versus you versus the issue. It's it's basically you and you have to make that first step. Regardless of what area that is in your life, you have to take that. Yeah, I agree completely. And at the end of the day, that's that's the whole point of the, the fear thing. It's mm. the fear that stops us taking that first step. And it's something that we've created. So we're preventing ourselves taking that first. It yeah, goes around in a cycle, does yeah, it? Yeah, it's a rabbit hole. It really is. But once you take, once you do take that first step, you realize that there's no issue. Mm. So you can just keep moving forward and keep moving forward. Yeah, you might take four steps forward and three steps back. But remember, it's still one step forward. Mm-hmm. 100%. Thank you so much, Charlie, for coming on today. It's been really good to have you here. That's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Next week on Not Past It Yet podcast, I have a really special guest, Katie Sutherland, coming on, talking all things mental health relation into health, fitness, lifestyle, mindset change. That is going to be an amazing episode. Um, please make sure to like and follow Not Past It Yet podcast on Instagram and Charlie Hurst on Instagram. Also, I will link that in the notes from the podcast and. Katie and I will see you next week. Thank you so much, guys. Right, Charlie, lunchtime, let's go.